Thank you everyone for joining us for Palestine Rights' first ever cultural spotlight. We're very excited about this initiative. So we decided in order to continue the momentum of the festival um, and all the excitement we got from it is to continue our mission to share Palestinian literature, art, storytelling, um, and continue to control our own narrative. So we're super excited to have Ibtisam Azim for our first ever cultural spotlight for the Book of Disappearance, which I actually ordered during the festival and got so excited while reading it. So I'm really thrilled to hear this conversation. Um, and we're really also thrilled to be partnering with the Institute for Palestine Studies. Um, and we have their very own Laura, who is the communications manager there. And she'll be moderating the discussion. So I'm gonna turn off my camera, take a step back and I'm super excited to hear the awesome conversation that's gonna happen between Laura and Ibtisam. All right, thank you so much, Aya, and thank you, Palestine Rights, uh, for starting the Cultural Spotlight. We're thrilled to be co-hosting it with you. So um, my name is Loda Albast. Uh, I am the Communications Manager for the Institute of pa for Palestine Studies, and I'm really honored to be able to interview uh, Ibtisam Azim, who has written this uh, incredible novel, uh, The Book of Disappearance. Um, just to introduce her a little bit, um, she is a Palestinian novelist and journalist. She was born in Northern Yaffa. She holds a master's degree in Islamic studies with minors in German and English literature. And she holds another master's degree in social work from New York University. She works as a senior correspondent covering the United Nations in New York City for the Arabic daily Al Arabi Jadid. She's also co-editor at Jalaliya Izin. She has published two novels in Arabic, Sariq um, al The Sleep Thief, and The Book of Disappearance, which is this one, Sifr al-Ikhtifa. It was translated into English by Sinan Antun and published by Syracuse University Press in July 2019. It was chosen as the 2020 title for librarians and archivists with Palestine's international reading campaign, One Book, Many Communities. The English book was published in 2019 and the Arabic was in 2014. Now, to give a brief introduction of the book for people who may have not um, had a chance to read it yet, um, all Palestinians living in Palestine disappear without a trace from one day to the next. What the Israelis in the book call a national crisis impacts all aspects of life in the country. Palestinians from the West Bank do not show up to work in the fields. Palestinians living in towns and cities in the interior vanish from hospitals, restaurants, and their homes. We do not know where they went but we understand how vital they were to the basic function of the society. We follow the stories of Ala, the Palestinian, and Ariel, the Israeli. Ala's story appears from letters written to his deceased grandmother about Tiafa and his crisis of identity. Ariel is Ala's friend and neighbor. In the beginning, he is fond of Ala and questions as a number of other Israelis, whether the Israeli army and forces had anything to do with the disappearance of Palestinians. But as we move through the book, and as he reads Ala's letters to his grandmother, Ariel's view gradually shifts. He gradually champions this new society, which no longer has any Palestinians. Throughout the book, we see other snippets of life impacted by this disappearance. Israelis are furious to discover that prisoners have disappeared from their cells, Surgeons do not show up to operate, and buses never arrive. In the 48 hours after the disappearance, we see a frantic Israeli government casting blame, entering a state of emergency, and celebrating. And while Palestinian refugees attempt to return and cross the border, they seem to instantly disappear. As Ibtisam writes, it is as if Palestine is devouring its children. And on that note, I'm so happy to be able to ask you some questions about your work. 
And I would like to begin with a question about Ala, who I think is the most moving character in the book. Um, so Ala is shown to be heavily, heavily a part of the uh, Jewish community and the Jewish world with Ariel, um, with leftists. Um, he jokes about being the token Arab. Israelis find his stories about his Yafan grandmother to be amusing. He seems generally to go along with it. Did you want your reader to feel empathy for this character or to be bothered by his mild acceptance of this tokenism? And to what extent are we Palestinians tokens or entertainment or the cause of choice for people looking to find meaning? Uh, first, uh, thank you so much for the great introduction. Uh, and uh, let me start also by saying I'm really honored and happy uh, to uh, to have this conversation with you. Uh, thanks, uh, Aya and uh, uh, the whole team of uh, Palestine uh, Rights. Uh, and thanks for having me uh, and opening, kicking this uh, whole events with um, our conversation. So thanks again, Palestine Rights and uh, Institute of Palestinian Studies. Um, so I, um, let me start by saying, or Ala, like um, all uh, Palestinians uh, is a, a minority and a settler um, a, um, a colonial country. Uh, especially uh, if we talk about Palestinian citizens of Israel. So um, um, being uh, tokenized is always uh, a possibility. Aleh is uh, uh, very often sarcastic actually and jokes about the uh, tokenization. Uh, he's aware uh, of um, uh, He's aware of it. He doesn't uh, accept it, but um, a, he has to live with it, as uh, many people, or to, to to try to deal with it in one way or another. Um, there's different ways he does it, as we said. Uh, sometimes also circle, uh, um, being sarcastic. Uh, as I mean, you you mentioned. Um, Israelis find his stories about his Jaffan grandmother uh, to be amusing. To a certain degree, degree, it's true, as long as he doesn't talk about actually the Nakba and what happened in 48. Uh, um, so when that happened, they don't want to uh, hear about his grandmother. Uh, her story uh, is the story uh, uh, they deny and want to erase because uh, it disturbs uh, their colonial narrative. It goes from, uh, for, but this, there is a scene where he talks about he wish they would ask more. He wish they would want to know more. And that's the scene, uh, but they don't do in reality. Uh, and that's the scene where he goes from Rothschild Boulevard uh, and walks until he gets to the uh, um, shore and the beaches of uh, Jaffa. Uh, as for the other part of your question uh, regarding the uh, reader, um, okay, so uh, maybe <laughs> I will surprise you when I tell you I uh, that I don't think a lot about the reader uh, until maybe the very end of my writing uh, and when I'm editing. Uh, and 
I don't try to manipulate them, but if we look at the, some of the details, uh, you, I will understand why people would think that in, in a way or another. In other words, um, you have, um, uh, there are um, many characters and many voices in the novel, you're right. Uh, it's largely about Allah and his grandmother. So we hear his voice and see his uh, perspective and read, uh, and readers uh, will probably uh, uh, empathize with uh, him. I wasn't, yeah, so it wasn't planned, but uh, uh, one of the reasons that why this could also happen is the genre that was used within the novel to 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 to, to write about to talk about Ala or Ala the, the 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 genre where he writes uh, diaries and memoirs, uh, his chapters. Uh, these diaries and mem memoirs uh, give the reader the possibility to go more into the inner life of the character, uh, to know more about their feeling, about what, how they think, and what's happening. Uh, um, and uh, so that uh, one reason also. Um, uh, but the most important thing for these chapters, uh, and why I chose also to have them separated from other chapters, uh, why I chose that the Palestinian, uh, when the memoirs are in separate chapters, because I wanted to have the Palestinian voice takes charge of his own uh, narrative. Uh, so he tells his own story and theoretically, uh, no one can uh, silence him or stop him or comment about it. So his so-called friend, uh, Ariel, even when he reads these memoirs, uh, Allah is not there anymore to hear his comments. Thank you for that. It's always wonderful to hear from the novelist on, you know, the different perspectives that come out from readers, how they differ from um, the actual process of writing. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, the, the genre of the book itself. So, you know, it has a dystopic sort of big brother atmosphere. Uh, there are mechanical statements from the Israeli government about the situation. Um, you have Israelis who they express regret for the disappearance of Palestinians uh, and you and fo blindly follow orders. And you have um, Israelis who celebrate and think this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to them. Um, the Palestinians are gone. The Israelis turn on themselves and they start registering each other uh, in the book you write it, where they start to be monitoring each other what, where everybody is at all times. How close to a dystopia is um, Palestine and, and uh, Palestine Israel today when we hold up to the atmosphere that you have created in the book? That's, I mean, that's a really very interesting question. And uh, if we take for a moment, um, uh, uh, a step back. If you look, um, uh, Israel's um, uh, uh, or like if we, um, it 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 is very close to the actual uh, close to the actual reality. So uh, the actual reality is uh, dystopian for sure. Uh, it fits the uh, general definition of uh, dystopian place. Uh, everything I described, uh, or everything I described uh, in the novel, it, it exists uh, in Israel. 
the disappearance and the events that follow allows me to put many uh, things under a microscope. Uh, this is uh, uh, the reality of Israeli society and how uh, it uh, operates. And uh, frankly, many other uh, similar society, if we talk about uh, uh, this land uh, uh, and uh, um, uh, um, I mean, America, South Africa. So it's, it's it all goes in the same or similar direction. But I wanted to discuss the theme of disappearance, uh, disappearance and also um, in its different uh, layers here. So yes, we have um, the literal uh, disappearance, which you mentioned, and uh, it's the main uh, product uh, uh, of the theme. But there are other uh, uh, things as well. One uh, theme that the novel tries to deal with uh, is what happens to uh, states uh, and people whose identities are founded on a, a, a violent exclusion and denial of the other, the enemy. Uh, 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 this includes also the racist denial that Palestinians uh, exist as an identity. I mean, we know the very famous uh, sentence of uh, Golda Meir who said there is nothing called Palestinian people or something like that. Uh, um, so also, denying uh, very often uh, Israelis um, talk about Palestinians as Arab Israelis, especially Palestinian citizens of Israel. So this is also one another way of denial, but also the disappearance has also another dimension uh, uh, that it has, it retrievers or mirrors the disappearance that did happen in Palestine in 48. If you think about the 750 Palestinians uh, who were displaced and were forced uh, to leave their country and uh, um, became refugees uh, all over the world or uh, also partly in their own land. So that's a part of it. But also there is kind of, uh, in a weird way, a relief uh, for the victims or for the Palestinians when they disappear because they once of a, one of a sudden they say, you know what, we are not engaging anymore. We are gone. That's it. So it's 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 so it has all these different uh, layers and uh, that go with um, with what you were mentioning too. Thank you so much, Ibtisam, for that. Um, and there was another question that was more you know relevant to Ariel and Ala. They had so many conversations throughout, and we always see it throughout the novel. And they're always disagreeing about something. Um, at one point in the novel, Ariel whines about Ala. He says. Why all this thinking about the past? Um, it, it's funny because Israelis say that Palestinians uh, should forget the past, but the entire national narrative in Israel is built on the phrase, never forget, uh, which references um, to the Holocaust. Can you discuss um, this hypocrisy? Do you think that uh, fiction and literature is the best medium um, to show um, you know, these contradictions? Um... I mean, colonial, um, I think colonial narrative in general, and we see it in this country too, uh, um, is built on denial of uh, the erasure of the lands and uh, people, uh, people's history. Mahmoud Darwish uh, uh, famously wrote about uh, how uh, uh, tyrants fear uh, uh, memoirs. 
uh, or memories. Um, I, so for the colonizers, I think uh, there is only their past uh, and their story. Now, Palestinians and other colonized people, and I read uh, a few, I think a week ago, something, I think it was about this country, I can't remember uh, where exactly, but the author made a very uh, interesting point saying uh, that actually people who are under colonization, actually we are, when we talk about the past, we actually talking about the future. Uh, we are not, we are, we are, we want to talk about the past because uh, we are engaged in imagining and trying to build a future, a future of equality, a future of justice, a future of right of return, um, freedom. The past is always uh, uh, imagining and building the future. So the colonizer, on the other hand, uh, when they are the ones actually who are not living the future, they are the ones who are um, uh, living in the past and they want the, the frozen past, the past where they got all these um, uh, privileges. Uh, so when a Palestinian speak about the past, uh, you are, uh, I'm actually, when, I, when I'm as a Palestinian speak about, I'm actually, uh, the past, I'm actually talking about the future, the, the, where I want to be. Um, and I think fiction is one uh, great way, absolutely, uh, to uh, enrich uh, space to be able to do it, uh, because you, and especially novels, because you can bring all this socioeconomic uh, class issue, gender issue, and put, uh, the life of your characters in a broader context uh, and make um, historic events um, and polit political events more um, uh, more understandable from how, what does occupation mean uh, for your daily life? What does colonialization, we talk about all these things, but literature and novel are actually the ones who uh, do it the best. Of course, films and etc. But yeah, no, I, I to completely agree with you. I think books are the way to go, and I think it's what you said is extremely important. The past, you know, when we talk about the past, we're talking about the future. We need to keep that in mind in all spheres and all of our work. I will remind the audience: if you have any questions, um, please put them in, in the put them in, in the Q A Q and A option in the bottom of the screen. Uh, we will be, um, you know, asking all your questions to uh, FTSM as we move forward. Uh, so I do want to move to something that I found interesting. So the novel was um, initially written in 2014 um, in Arabic. And in the book, you foreshadow normalization with uh, several Gulf and North African countries. Um, and this normalization took place <laughs> only last year. Uh, one Israeli soldier says, uh, we will be able to help a lot of Arab countries with our technologies. Um, what gave you this premonition? How were you able to predict that? I mean, um, first of all, there are other normalizations that took place. They were different uh, with Egypt and with Jordan. But in general, uh, I, I, in the past, before the latest wave, but uh, the latest wave, I think, got a lot of reactions for many different reasons, uh, uh, given the fact that at least Egypt and uh, Jordan, without giving excuses to that, but at least they have borders and whatever. Uh, think but that's 
a huge topic to discuss and a very important topic. But in general, uh, I I think I never had uh, growing up. I mean, being born and growing up in uh, in uh, uh, Palestine and living for a while in Jerusalem, and I never had this. Um, illusion about Arab uh, uh, regimes, not Arab people. That's totally different. Uh, and for me, it's not surprising because at the end of the day, these dictators uh, exploit and exploited uh, the Palestinian issue for their own uh, narrow political agenda. Um, and those who can't um, uh, treat their own people well, then they are not going to care about Palestine. That's as simple as that. You're right. Um, I, I want to move on to a little bit of a sensitive topic, but um, but it, it's in, in it's in the book, and I think it's important to to address. Um, and this is considered a taboo subject in many Arab communities, particularly in the context of your book. In a flashback to an Israeli operation, uh, you, depict, you depict a group of Israeli soldiers sexually assaulting both a Palestinian man and a Palestinian woman. It is an extremely horrifying scene. Um, and while there have been depictions of sexual assault of Palestinians in literature uh, recently, they are extremely rare. Why, why do you think this has been the case? Um, and, and do you think that this is changing and why did you make the choice to write this scene? Um, yeah, no, that's that's a very important uh, question uh, that we need, uh, and it's a very complicated one too. Um, um, let me try to put it first to, to, to take a step back and try to put it in a broader context, and the co the context of the Palestinian body. Uh, Palestinian bodies uh, or Palestinian body is a subject to violence, pain, uh, uh, and was and still uh, uh, a target uh, to be controlled and violated in life and death. And that's very important, the issue of death too. You see this, uh, the way Israel treats the corpse of Palestinian, uh, Palestinians who uh, has been killed by Israeli uh, forces. Uh, um, they keep sometimes uh, the, the bodies of uh, the Palestinians for uh, months. Uh, they don't allow sometimes uh, the families to bury their children uh, unless they do it at night. Uh, it's, so there is this body issue is very very important, but also Palestinians' bodies are uh, also um, you see it in checkpoints and prisons and the control who is allowed to move where etc. Rape. Now going back to your subject, rape is uh, a weapon used in wars. It was used in 1948 uh, and. Uh, in, as in many colonial uh, occupation, etc. We'll, but we also uh, we live in a patriarchal society. So the issue, this is becomes a sensitive issue. And then always, how do you want to talk about it? Um, and so the story of the rave is not, uh, uh, so there is another part of that story and the way I wrote it, 
uh, it's a very short story within the novel, one of these short chapters. But the woman who was raped and survived that rape stayed in Palestine, uh, stayed in Jaffa, and was sitting uh, uh, all of her life daily outside her house and saying some things uh, and telling her stories. But no one listened to her, including her family, meaning her Palestinian society, partly. Of course, no do Israelis uh, listen uh, to her too. They all think uh, they were passing by, they all think uh, that uh, she's just a crazy, but, but the issue with, with, with Diane, the, the perpetrator, uh, that he stayed silent all these years. And that's a very important issue. Uh, the story is about also uh, uh, the silence that uh, continues. Even after the woman disappears, Diane uh, stays silent. Uh, the silence is, in a way, continuation of this uh, violence and that rape. And after she disappeared, uh, what does he do? He blames her. Uh, the story, um, he blames her that she disappeared and he, after 70 years, he wasn't even able to apologize for her, kind of. And this is like one of the, the thoughts. So it's about um, kind of a mirror uh, for the uh, perpetrators and silent, uh, and their uh, silent um, um, uh, bystanders who don't do anything. And it's uh, and as you said, it's a very complicated subject. We need to talk about it. There is people who talked about it historically, books, research, but it's something. This sexual violence is not talking about as it um, should be. Um, you're right. I, I do think we should talk about it. I, I also um, read a couple of Palestinian books recently that have mentioned these things, and it's, it's a great analogy that you use the Palestine and Palestinians, you know, their bodies are always violated in every every way. Um, before I move on to the Q&A and ask you about your writing process as well, um, one of Ala's lovers, uh, Jumana, she, she expresses her frustration with life in Palestine. She was sick, you're right, she was sick and tired of both Arabs and Jews and of Palestines and all things Palestinians. She goes abroad um, and she never returns and she calls her country a grave. Um, to what extent do you think that Palestinians currently living in Israel, uh, sorry, in Palestine, um, including you, um, feel that Palestine is a grave? Um, well, there is, um, it, it's, um... I think my feelings about my surrounding always changed. It is, we have to admit that the life of Palestinians in their own homeland is, um, it's, it's just not easy. And it is absolutely human and normal to also uh, be uh, fed, I mean, that you can't stand anymore this occupation, this colonialization, there's constant control, all this stuff, all this stuff. So, but this is one thing. Uh, it is a place where there's a lot of uh, sacrifice. Uh, people sacrificed a lot. But if you look at the novel, uh, um, there is a chapter with Ala at almost at the end 
where he tries to um, reconcile or to, to look at his own homeland in a new way and to retake this public space and re um, live in uh, Palestine despite the occupation and the colonialization and seeing and trying to admire its beauty and the and seeing the the resilience the strong more the strong sides of being there so it's it's the character uh, evolved with time and this is a normal thing that people go through and i think when you are younger you you have all this more pressure from family and society and the political pressure and with time if things get better you you you, you are able to understand a lot of things and put them in the broader uh, context. Um, you know, we have a question from the audience from Malini, and I really appreciate you asking this because I wanted to go back to Ala and Ariel's relationship. Um, the question is, could you talk about the relationship between Ariel and Ala? Uh, it seems to her and to all readers as well um, uh, that Ariel, despite me being okay with the disappearance of Palestinians, um, he's almost obsessed uh, with Ala. He enters his house, he takes over his apartment. It's as if he cannot be away from Ala. He even eventually takes his the, Ala's notebook and wants to create his own book uh, out of Ala's stories. Um, did, did you intend to, to suggest as well that Palestinians are part of the Israeli psyche and, um, and they are important uh, in any way. So read these two things, you know, Ala and Ariel's relationship and how Palestinians are vital um, to the society, in that society. Yeah, no, that's a, an important question. I mean, for the first part, uh, this relationship is a very complicated relationship because uh, um, even when you, uh, assuming that you meet or you get to know uh, some Israelis who are not like, not, not liberal, but really different and um, really leftist, whatever that mm -hmm. means, I mean, it's, uh, but that relationship is actually never an equal relationship. Yeah. As a power relationship, you are always, as a Palestinian going back, no matter who you are, no matter which socioeconomic uh, situation you are living in, no matter where you live, you are always going back to one reality. Mm -hmm. You are being uh, under uh, um, colonized under in your own land. Yeah, and you don't have control on any uh, political um, things that happening. You are working to change things. This is what Palestinians have been doing. Uh, from one intifada to another, from one demonstration to another, for resistance, etc. Before that, I mean, so, but you have one Israeli system that uh, being applied differently to different Palestinian groups. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's one apartheid state. Uh, and that no matter, and as long as you are on the land of Palestine, this relationship is always governed by uh, that political reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to shift a little bit back to your, to you as a novelist, as a writer. Um, 
can you take us through your writing process? Do you have any rituals, uh, a specific time of day that you like to write in? Um, so it, uh, it's different from where, I mean, if I take my, my, my first um, book, the Sarq Nambari Hifawi, uh, which was published, I think, about ten years ago or eleven years ago. Back then, I was still living in uh, in in Germany, and I was working in a television station. Uh, I was working as a journalist, so I have a totally different. Um, uh, and I was part of a team, so my work was. Uh, I did a lot of um, evening shifts, and I was writing a lot at night. I'm a night person, but. <laughs> Uh, things changed now, uh, given the nature of my work and uh, being a correspondent and having to cover the UN, where you have constantly a lot of meetings, a lot of breaking news, etc. So now I am somebody who, believe it or not, I mean, a lot of people who know me don't believe that. <laughs> I woke up really early, like in spring and summer, and the winter is more difficult, um, around... Um, between 5 and 5.30, uh, drinking coffee with my husband, uh, maybe we take a walk. But then I don't uh, look at the, any social media, I don't check my emails, and I try just to do the writing until 9 or 9.30, 10, and then, then it's a storm of, uh, as we all <laughs> know, the new technology. I don't, I try not to, I'm active on Twitter, for example, uh, for professional reasons as a journalist. Um, but for example, I don't have Facebook uh, as an app on my phone. I, I do go sometimes and I have it still, but sometimes like three, four days go by without checking Facebook. Um, I try, so that's like for the social media and all these things. Uh, but other things, I'm somebody who um, living in New York, uh, before, but living in New York, I discovered walking. So part of writing um, is also a lot of walking, a lot of things that I can't really, where, I'm, where, where I feel stuck, I walk uh, in my daily life in New York, okay, be, before the pandemic, but now things a little bit changed, but uh, at least an hour and a half, uh, I work to, I walk to work, I come back. So it's for me, Walking has also this habit of um, thinking uh, a lot about things. Um, uh, when I write, uh, depends on which uh, phase, uh, but like with the Book of Disappearance, uh, you have also to do a lot of uh, reading, uh, other readings from other genres or other fields. I listen a lot of music. I used to write, um, uh, fiction, sometimes go to cafes and listen. And the music I listen to depends on uh, the character <laughs> I'm working at. Uh, Can you give us an example? So with the Book of Disappearance, when I write, when I was writing um, Ariel's uh, chapters, I was sometimes listening to some Zionist music, like Ashkenazi style. <laughs> Uh, just to be in his uh, world, assuming that probably these singers, uh, they're, they're not like, probably will be listening to that. Uh, when I was writing Ala, I was um, listening more to Aoud, uh, 
Um, but I listen, but in general, I listen a lot to the classical music. I mean, it's, it is mixed, uh, jazz. So this music is really very important part of my process. Um, just, I have, uh, sorry, I don't want to go too long about this uh, answer, but uh, I usually also have a lot of different drafts and uh, there is a different periods when writing, uh, sometimes writing from uh, the feeling and the inner world, etc. But then when I go uh, to more advanced stages of writing, I am more of an editor of my own uh, work. And of course, I um, there is show um, uh, to my first reader, get feedback, think about it, all, all this stuff. So yeah. Honestly, thank you so much for sharing your whole process. It is, uh, it's a beautiful process, you know, I, I think for, to hear as, you know, if there are writers in the audience as well to sort of learn from you. Um, we do have uh, a question uh, from the audience related to Yafa. So if we can go back to the novel a little. Um, it, Related to Yaffa in relation to the white city, so you mentioned the white city this whole time, evoking Yaffa's uh, spectral relationship to Tel Aviv. Um, there are a lot of layers of historical haunting by Ala's grandmother's story, um, the Nakba, erasing names and places. So can you talk about that? Um, yeah, no, definitely. So part of, um, so part of choosing Tel Aviv has to do also with the relationship between uh, Tel Aviv and Jaffa and how Tel Aviv, although it was uh, sort of built uh, before 48, um, or at least part of it, um, there is this uh, um, myth, Israeli myth about uh, Tel Aviv being uh, the new, the modern, the different. It's not built on uh, Palestinian uh, ruins which is not true because it is built on part of Jaffa uh, and also on Palestinian villages uh, and their lands, etc. cetera. Uh, but uh, if you look, it I always find it really fascinating. Uh, public spaces, I, I never paid attention. Uh, I always felt suffocating in some uh, areas where Palestinian lives because of the getaway because it's like ghettos in some areas uh and i as a child and you know when you grow up you start thinking about uh your surrounding and why things look the way they look uh and why um uh jaffa today is so um marginalized the palestinians in jaffa you have the cho i chose jaffa not only for the personal connection with my grandmother, which helped me in writing. But because Jaffa was the most important city in Palestine before 48, it was the largest economically, was uh, very important uh, intellectually, culturally. So, so it was important to put this into perspective. An architect is something very important whenever you go, whenever, I mean, from Palestine now, wherever I go, any city in the world, uh, I look at the world also in different eyes. I always ask myself about things I don't see because of my Palestinian experience. 
and I ask myself also about the meanings of things I see. So it was important also to have Ala gradually building a new connection in a way that he is retaking this space, this occupied, this colonialized space, and trying to um, have a new connection to it. Uh, uh, so that was part of uh, uh, the whole idea. But if you read more, and I hope people will be encouraged to read more about uh, the architect and the stone, and the, there are a lot of um, um, really very important uh, books about um, about this and very interesting books uh, on this regard. Uh, uh, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, and speaking about other books, uh, are there any, any novelists that influence you or writers that you that you read that you like? Uh, yeah, there are a lot. Uh, I mean, you know, as you mentioned, I, I did study. I mean, OK, let's or I, I am a child of the Arab culture. So I, I was I am uh, influenced also by uh, a lot of uh, um, Palestinian and Arab writers. Uh, from, of course, Habibi to Ghassan Kanafani. I think Ghassan Kanafani is really very, uh, influenced me a lot. Uh, and, um, but Hussein uh, um, al-Barghouthi, uh, uh, he died in a very young, uh, relatively young age in his fifties in cancer. And I wrote my thesis, his master thesis, about his book, Adu uh, al-Azraq. Uh, and it's a very beautiful uh, novel, memoirs. I mean, it's, uh, but also Sa'akunu Bayna Laos. And his um, articles about theories uh, of how to write literature and how you should uh, were very influential. I, studying uh, um, in Germany and studying German and English literature also, influenced me a lot, uh, especially uh, um, uh, one of my, uh, uh, one of the writers I really like, is, his name is Wolfgang Boschett. He, he died in a very young age, uh, but his, his short stories are really very compact, intensive, and he writes about the war, but from uh, a, a different, from the perspective of daily life. Uh, but I like I like theater a lot, uh, and I, um, I like, uh, of course, uh, uh, what comes in mind is Adalonus. Um, not only their his plays, but also his theoretical writing and the way he engages with uh, international theater. But African American writers, uh, uh, I. Um, James Baldwin, many others. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, for now, I'm reading. I usually read also more than one book, which I'm not sure always if it's a good habit. Uh, so now I'm reading not literature, uh, a very uh, interesting book by Ismail um, Nashif. Uh, the title in Arabic is uh, Al-Sahyuni so it's a very interesting book that deals with how Arabic language is uh, being uh, used uh, in uh, Israel uh, in different ways. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Thank you for sharing that with us. And I, I would like you to share something else um, more related to your work. What are you working on right now? Should we be expecting more um, beautiful stories, impactful stories? Um, so I have, uh, I have two projects, uh, let's say three, but two projects that I am. So I, hopefully this year, yes, you can expect a short story collection. Uh, I, I did write uh, short stories, published them in different uh, places, but um, I don't have a short story collection. So that will be my first story collection in Arabic. And I'm working on that really hard now to try to uh, bring it out, hopefully in um, end of summer. Uh, and there is a novel project that I have been working um, at for five years. It's a very complicated uh, uh, or inspired by um, a story of uh, a family in Jaffa. Um, and uh, it has to do with the connection between drugs and politics and how the state used drugs to control uh, Palestinians, especially in big cities like Jerusalem, like Jaffa, like Lod, Ramli. So that's the project, but it's, uh, uh, although I did there a lot of interviews um, and I was lucky to have access to people I never thought I will, but still I need to do then a lot of reading and archive uh, to catch more uh, that subject from a very um, different perspective because it's a very complicated uh, issue. Uh, so let's see, but that's unfortunately going to take a little bit time because uh, I have two jobs, the writing <laughs> and the journalist. If I have a bit of a bestseller one day, <laughs> I don't have laugh. We are super excited. I'm sure um, everyone in the audience as well is super excited to read what you have for us. Um, and on that, we do have some writers in the audience and they are asking, um, what tips do you have to aspiring Palestinian writers, especially when it comes to publishing internationally? Internationally, they mean in English or in other foreign languages? Um, I think in English, uh, let's go with that. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I, I mean, I, I, will take about, I will talk about my own experience. Uh, I think, the most important thing, uh, I mean, I personally prefer to write in Arabic. I think this is the language I can express my, myself as a creative self, the, the creative writing uh, best in Arabic. Uh, and I think it's very important to write in uh, a, a language that you can, uh, I mean, of course you never uh, master any language really. I mean, it's always a struggle. And especially with a, but there is different. Uh, it, it is good to have at least your um, the tools that you are using that you are controlling. Um, I would say reading, reading, reading is really important, and reading um, uh, really very different things. But I, I, I. Personally, think you one shouldn't think too much about how people, but it's, of course, it's everyone and their. Of course, we care about how people will receive our work. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I I think with time you get really um, more selective and understand. And it is more important that when you write to be not only authentic but to be to be true to yourself, to oneself. 
uh, and to uh, not to rush to to publish. And if you are lucky uh, and get published in other languages, that's great. But there are also a lot of great writers who were not translated. So being translated is uh, a great, but that shouldn't be uh, what people should care about. Thank you for that very useful uh, advice, Ibtisam. Uh, um, if I may ask, would you be willing to uh, read an excerpt for us um, as we end this cultural spotlight? Sure. Um... So I will read um, um, from chapter three, uh, uh, one of um, um, the short, um, um, short paragraphs where he talks about the issue of memory since we talked about the, the memory and I practiced that part. So <laughs> I can read it better. <laughs> okay, so, um, I'm mad at you. Your memory, which is engraved in my mind, has all these holes in it. Am I not remembering all that you told me? Or was it incomprehensible? I was very young when I started listening to your stories. Later, when I turned to them for help, I discovered these holes. I started to ask you about them. The more I asked, the more you got mixed up. Or maybe I did. How would things not get mixed up? I was certain that there was another city on top of the one we live in, donning it. I was certain that your city, the one you kept talking about, which has the same name, has nothing to do with my city. It resembles it a great deal, the names, orange groves, Alhamra Cinema, Apollo Wedding, Apollo Weddings, Prophet Rubin's Feast, Iskandar Awad Street, Al Nuzha Street, Al Sa'a Square, etc. Where do all these names come from? We would be walking and you start mentioning other names too. Names not written on signs. I had to learn to see what you were seeing Ugh. and all these people. I got to know all their problems and how they were forced to leave Jaffa. I know all the boring and at a, at a time interesting details about their lives. I know all the jokes they used to tell. All this without having even met a single one of them. I, uh, and I probably never will. Your Jaffa resembles mine, but it's not the same. Two cities impersonating each other. You carved your names in my city. So I feel like I am a returnee from history, always tired, roaming my own life like a ghost. Yes, I am a ghost who lives in your city. You too are a ghost living in my city and we call both cities Jaffa. Uh, 